favorite authors, friends, and guests explore the simpler side of life. Here's your host, Amish fiction author, Tracy Fertikowski. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Buggy Talk. I'm your host, Tracy Fertikowski. Each week, I'll bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers. For this week's episode, we have USA Today bestselling author Jennifer Beckstrand. She'll introduce us to her latest release, First Christmas on Huckleberry Hill. Hello, Jennifer. How are you today? Hello, I'm so great. Thank you for having me. Well, it is my honor, and we are approaching the holiday season, and you are the first Christmas book interview and I'm very excited that you have come on board to um, introduce us to your latest um, release but before we do that as always I love to take our listeners on a little trip behind the scenes into their favorite author's writing career so I have a few questions you ready I'm ready Okay, so first off, you've been an author for a good bit of time now, and I know you have quite a few books. How many books have you written, and which is your favorite? People always ask me that, and then I think, okay, how many books have I written? It's about 30. Um, 27 of those are Amish, and I've written one historical Western and a couple of nonfiction outliers, but mostly Amish, 27 Amish. And uh, my favorite one, I don't think I have a favorite. My my least favorite is whatever I've just written because you know, <laughs> spend so much time with it. And then you're like, oh, I'm so sick of it. <laughs> and then you go back and read it and you're like, oh, these, this is so good. I did have a ton of fun. First Christmas on Huckleberry Hill, which is what we're talking about today. I think that was probably one I've had a ton of fun writing. I I can't, I don't know if I can say the most fun writing, but probably, probably the most fun writing First Christmas on Huckleberry Hill, because it's these two characters, Anna and Felty, who are, I love them so much. So it was really fun to write about them. I don't know about you, but it's fun writing a Christmas story anyway. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) So you probably have read a good bit. Who is your all-time favorite author and why? Well, I have to say Jane Austen because she is my inspiration for so much of my writing. I love how much humor she adds to her writing. I love that her characters are complex, but I love that her good characters are so deeply good. And so she's probably my favorite. Does that count? I mean, she's, you know, she's perfect. Perfect. Okay, good. (laughs) We all have authors that inspire us and not always are they other Amish authors. You know, I have a Christian author, Frances Rivers is one of my favorite authors to read and she writes nothing in the Amish genre, but I do enjoy her. So who do you happen to admire in the Amish genre? I really admire uh, Jennifer Spredeman. I think she's a great writer and she has most of her books are self-published. She just really speaks to people. I admire Beverly Lewis just because she was the first. She is such a good writer. I, I love her characters. She creates great conflict. I think she's very 
true to the Amish experience. So those two, and then Cindy Woodsmall, I think she's so good too. I love her writing there. I could just go on and on. (laughs) And I could too, you know, I, I devour anything Rachel Good writes. I just Mm -hmm. think she has a way with words that pulls you in and Jennifer Spetterman as well. She has a great knowledge of the Bible. So she puts very biblical spin on everything she writes. And I love that. So um, I think we all have, and I enjoy reading what you write, Jennifer. So we all have, you know, we all have people that we admire because the way they craft words on a page, but, but thank you so much for sharing that. So I don't know if I should ask your husband this, or maybe your children this, but I'm going to ask you this. If you could could describe yourself in three words, what would they be? Let's see. Enthusiastic. I'm very enthusiastic. You are. Hard worker. I'm going to count that as one word. (laughs) (laughs) And empathetic. I'm really empathetic. That is, is that perfect. No, no, that is, you know, there are some people that can read a room. I always say it's reading a room. Some mm-hmm. people can walk in a room and they take no notice to how people feel or what they may be going through, but empathetic people can walk in a room and they can point out or identify someone that's struggling emotionally, physically, it, it's yeah. being able to read a room and not all people can do that. My husband cannot read a room. <laughs> well, I can read that. I can walk in a room and, and empathetic people can tell when somebody is just off kilter. So that's a great way to describe. Yes. And, and part of that is uh, that makes it hard is right. Because you take on as an empathetic person, at least I do, I take on other people's stuff and that's not a bad thing. But it can get heavy sometimes, you know, or you, you start to worry about, oh, is so-and-so happy and how can I, what can I do, you know, to make it better? But yeah. So. And, and as a mother, it's really hard because you take on all your children's, (laughs) all your, especially when they become adults, you carry all of their, not burdens so much, but all the things that they're struggling with, you take it on, even though your adult children, you can't fix it anymore. And I think that's what the struggle is, you know, but um, we're there to lend an ear. That's right. That's right. And I, you know, my kids still call me and want my advice, which I'm so happy for, but you're right. I, I can't, you know, I can give advice, but I cannot fix anything anymore. No, there's very, very few things I can fix for anybody (laughs) anymore, (laughs) but but send us those grandbabies and we can bandage a knee or hand out some cookies. And (laughs) Well, yeah, they think they think I'm so great. So yeah, I can still help them some some way. Exactly. Well, thank you for sharing your insight with us. And I would love to move into talking about first Christmas on Huckleberry Hill. So that takes us into talking about first Christmas on Huckleberry Hill. But before we do that, how about you set the stage by reading us your back matter? Okay. She can't cook. So sing or clean. And no matter how hard young Annie Yoder tries, she'd much rather help people in trouble than be well-behaved, pretty face, and properly perfect Amish matel. So she instantly reaches out to her old schoolmate, Felty Helmuth, when their Amish town ostracizes him for his Korean War Army service. 
he's still the only one who's ever understood Anna and liked everything from her green jello carrot salads to her love of books. And this holiday season, she can't help hoping that somehow she and Felty can find a way to be the perfect match. My first question for you today is if this book was made into a movie, who would be the celebrities that would be Anna and Felty? Well, oh gosh, you, you wrote this down and I couldn't think of anybody. Let me think. And, you know, there are so many great actors and actresses out there that that are not so well known. You know, when you watch the Hallmark Channel, a lot of those actresses are new and we don't know their names, you know. But um, I would say anyone that has starred in a Hallmark movie would make the great <laughs> would make a great um, <laughs> Anna and Felty, unless you can think of somebody specific. Well, you know who comes to mind for Felty is a very young Tim Robbins because he's quite tall. I don't, I think he's so very likable. So Tim Robbins would probably make a great Felty. For Anna, we need somebody just feisty and so cute. But you're right, anybody on a, a Hallmark, like, like Candace Cameron. Oh, there, oh that's Cameron. perfect. She would be That's really perfect. cute. Anna. Yeah, yeah, she would be. She would be. That's <laughs> perfect. If you could describe Anna in three words, what would those three words be? Well, she would definitely be um, feisty and loving and vulnerable. I think that for Anna, she is so willing to be vulnerable. She puts herself out there all the time and her community kind of you know, puts up with her, but not, they're not really, they don't really think she's a, a marriage prospect for anybody. Nobody, nobody wants their son to marry Anna because she can't cook, you know, she can't. So she's, but she's so sweet and loving and without guile. And, you know, people don't know her well enough. That's why they have that outwardly opinion of her. And I think your story from what you're experiencing, describing you're going to dig deep into that personality that's almost hidden in her yes yeah Yeah. so what do you hope your readers will take away from this story I hope that they will look at everybody as a friend or look and just see that everybody is trying their best and it doesn't matter who you are or who they are but everybody has something to give to you and to you have something to learn from every person you come in contact with and something to love about every person you come in contact with that's perfect that's perfect especially for a Christmas story that that's wonderful. Yeah. We read your back matter and we know it's about Anna and Felty, but can you tell us anything more about the story? And then I would like you to read us the first page of your, of your new book. Okay. Well, so this story Felty has actually just come home from the Korean war. He felt God calling him to serve his country. And of course, as an Amish man, that is 
terrible, right? They do not, they believe in nonviolence. And in fact, during the World War II and the Korean War, a lot of Amish men were sent to these, um, not work camps, but that's kind of what they were to kind of, they wouldn't fight, but they sent them to places, um, uh, civilian, civilian work camps where they could do things to support the war effort without going to fight. And a, some of the Amish really took a lot of flack for that. Amish men were beat up if they, because they refused to fight. So it was really for the Amish, a matter of this is our religion. We're going to live it. And so Felty, he sees all this and he just feels like God wants him to go serve. So he joins the army and goes off to Korea to serve. So the book starts on the day that he comes back. And he knows it's going to be an uphill battle with the whole community. And everybody is pretty much very resentful of him. They kind of ignore him or reject him. And Anna is really the only one who reaches out and tries to be his friend. And Anna, uh, as you know, if you've read any of the Matchmakers of Huckleberry Hill series, she is really a terrible cook, but she loves to cook and she loves to put raisins in everything. <laughs> so she, um, there's one pivotal scene where it's the, the fellowship supper after after church one day and she's brought her cheesy asparagus casserole with bacon and raisins she is so excited about this casserole but no one will eat it <laughs> but felty just takes it he eats about the whole thing because he just loves her so much so that really you know that really makes her like him Anyway, so it's it's just about that that story of her befriending him, and then he does something heroic in the community that suddenly the whole community loves him, and they try to push Anna aside because they like him so much, and there's this Rosie who just has decided she wants to marry Felty, and so she she's a great cook, she's a good singer, she does everything to show Felty why he shouldn't like Anna and he should like her. So it's really, um, it's very romantic, super fun. Just a real story about, you know, seeing the good in other people and, and loving them for who they are. Can't wait for you to read us your first page. Okay, I'm going to start partway through um, chapter one. Anna and her brothers, she has four brothers. It's Anna, Elmer, Isaac, Owen, and Uriah. And so they've always been called the vowel family because their first names each start with the, a, a vowel, A-E-I-O-U. Um, so she, they are in town and her brothers are fighting and they're making a scene. And anyway, she um, she's trying to uh, rein them in when she hears a voice behind her. Anna leaped out of her skin at the sound of a man's voice. 
She whirled around and came face to chest with a gray green, perfectly pressed military uniform and what looked like an impressive collection of medals. She tilted her head back, way back, to get a look at the owner of the medals. He was tall and she, unfortunately, was barely five feet. And that was only when she squared her shoulders and stood up perfectly straight. Anna's heart skipped to eat seven whole beats. Backing away from him as if he were a ghost, she caught her heel on the edge of the curb and fell ungracefully on her Heinerdell into the snow on the sidewalk. The soldier's all too familiar and very attractive smile disappeared immediately and he rushed to Anna's aid, holding out his hand and pulling her up before Elmer or Isaac even had a chance to react. Of course, Isaac wouldn't have helped Anna out of a deep well, but Elmer was a little more thoughtful. Are you all right, the soldier said, his hand lingering in Anna's for a second too long. While the soldier gazed at her in concern, Anna pulled her hand from his, brushed off her cape, then discreetly tapped the snow off her backside. I'm fine, she said. You just startled me, that's all. I, I sort of thought you were dead. She felt her face get warm. Felty Helmuth was obviously not dead, and it was impolite of her to mention it. She clamped her mouth shut. She most certainly wasn't going to mention the missing leg. He didn't seem to take offense that she thought he had died. His smile came back full force and nearly knocked her down again with its brilliance. You meet the most unexpected surprises in Bondwell. His face seemed to glow with happiness. Your eyes are still as blue as Sean O'Lake on a clear fall morning. Anna couldn't swallow. Was that normal when a boy looked at someone like he was looking at her? You've grown taller, he said, as if it were the most impressive accomplishment in the world. Laughter escaped her lips in an unladylike explosion. I've been this tall since sixth grade. Felty grinned and shrugged, never taking his gaze from her face. Then maybe you've just, just grown prettier, if that's possible. She made a real effort to swallow. It wouldn't be seemly if she drooled all over herself in public. Um, I haven't grown taller, but you have. He smiled wryly. For sure and certain, I didn't mean to, but I put on three inches in Korea. Oh, that was funny. I almost laughed it out. I laughed out loud when she <laughs> drooled. So you added a, a sense of humor there and I and I absolutely loved it. Thank you so much. And I look forward to reading your new Christmas release. What a what a great way to start the holiday season. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Oh, and yes. like always, um, I'm going to play a little bit of a fun round with you. Okay. But before we do that, is there anything you'd like to say to your readers? Well, I think um, even if you haven't read any of my Huckleberry Hill series, you will definitely love this book. But if you've read any of my Huckleberry Hill series, you are just going to be delighted because Anna and Felty are just, you see how they got where they are now and you see their little quirks, but they're, you can see why they just adore each other so much. Um, because their their love was very hard won and they just adore each other. So I, you're going to love it. So let's go ahead and play my fun round. It's, it's sometimes the most um, fun thing that I do through these interviews because I love putting our authors on the spot a little bit. So, all right, question one, do you have a nickname and what is it? Um, I do kind of have a nickname. It, I got it in college. I had this roommate who called everybody their first name and then dog. And so my nickname is Jen Dog. And my husband still calls me that. And 
when he calls me that in public, people look and like, you're calling your wife a dog? (laughs) (laughs) But he's the only one who uses it. But other than that, I do not have a nickname. (laughs) Well, I just have to add a funny story. So my husband calls me Sunflower. So anytime we, anytime we go out anywhere and they want your name for like a dinner reservation or something, he always says sunflower and, and I'm so embarrassed by that. And I don't know why, but I mean, he just, he said, why that's your name. I said, no, it's not. <laughs> but he does it anyway. It's quite fun. Okay. Second question. At what age do you want to retire? I don't want to retire. 90. <laughs> Ditto. I do not want to retire either. I do not want to retire. Okay. Number three, where is the one place you most want to travel to? This is a hard one because I do not like to travel, but I would probably say Tokyo because my husband lived there for a couple of years and I'd probably love to just go back there and you know, see all the places he went and I've heard it's a great place to go. Uh, Tokyo, that's one place I would not have pictured you wanting to go. I don't know why you caught me off guard a little bit. Tokyo wasn't the one place I thought you might say. So, okay. Number question, number four, what is one thing you could eat every day of the week? Bacon (laughs) (laughs) or raw almonds. I love raw almonds. Those oh. one of those two. Yeah. Well, the almonds are much better for you than the bacon. Yes, they are. <laughs> okay. Question number five. Since this is a Christmas book, what is your favorite Christmas cookie? I love those ones. <laughs> they're like, they have powdered sugar on them. They, they're just little circles and they're like, they have almond in them. Russian tea cakes? Yes. I think that's it. <laughs> I know because that's one of my favorite. They are yummy. Yummy. Mm-hmm. Yummy. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. That is the end of our interview. And I look forward to hearing more about your future projects here on the Buggy Talk podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure visiting with you. And I just hope readers will get this book. They are going to love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I encourage all of our listeners to go ahead and visit tracyfredakowski.com to see a complete list of some of your favorite Amish fiction authors and all the great books they add to the Amish landscape.